You're listening to audio from Ascend Church. For more information about Ascend or to access more gospel-centered tools to grow as a disciple of Christ, visit ascendkc.org. Well, you can grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 2. And if you don't have a Bible, just look in the seats in front of you and you can grab one of those Bibles and turn to page 807. We are going to spend a brief amount of time in the first gospel of the New Testament, the gospel of Matthew, and look at Matthew chapter 2. What we've been doing over the last four Sundays at Ascend is focusing our Advent series on four different topics. We've looked at hope, we've looked at joy, we've looked at peace, and at love. And this morning, our fifth Sunday of Advent, we are going to focus on the revelation of fulfillment. Though the word fulfillment means to bring something to a conclusion, to bring plans across the finish line, and that's ultimately what tomorrow represents, isn't it? There are plenty of children, and I've asked many of them this morning, that are looking forward to tomorrow morning because all of the plans, all of the wish lists, all of the being nice for the last few weeks will find fulfillment, they think, tomorrow morning. Now for adults, we see tomorrow morning being a little bit different in fulfillment. This is arguably one of the busiest times of the year. We stuff envelopes, we lick envelopes, We try to check off all of the items on wish lists. We go to parties. We have all of this planning and this preparation that we anticipate tomorrow we'll find fulfillment. You know, I think of that first Christmas and just imagine what the throne room might have looked like. I imagine that the angel who would be the herald to announce to the shepherds on the hills of Bethlehem, the birth of Jesus was probably reviewing his notes. Maybe maybe the heavenly army was getting into ranks. Maybe the Holy Spirit was preparing the Shekinah glory to surround the shepherds. Maybe the father was, was giddy with anticipation of how all of the breadcrumbs of the prophecies of the Old Testament were were going to find the fulfillment in the Christ who is to be born in Bethlehem. I think it's fitting that our fifth Advent Sunday focuses on fulfillment. Because I think the four topics that we have been studying over the last four Sundays are polarizing for human beings. They are very important. The the topics of hope, of joy, of peace, of love, but they're polarizing in that humans on one side of, of the polarity are obsessed with them. And they pursue activities or experiences or paths in the journey of our lives that they think will somehow deliver on those four topics. And then on the other side of the polarity is the cynic who wants to ask the question, can any human being ever truly experience hope, joy, peace, and love? Well, the account of the wise men in Matthew chapter 2, I think in a very interesting way, illustrates what true fulfillment is. 
and reminds us, as the big idea in your notes presents, that as human beings, we need our expectations and definitions of hope and joy and peace and love recalibrated. Because if we depend on our own definitions, we will live a life that never achieves these four categories. But when we recalibrate our definitions and expectations with the creator of the universe, we can find true hope, joy, peace, and love. The first fulfillment is found in this passage, and it is the fulfillment of love. Look at verse 1. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of the king, behold. Now, by the way, we've been saying this for the last few weeks, but if you're visiting with us, whenever you see the word behold in the Bible, it is the attempt by the author or the, the speaker in the narrative to draw the attention of the audience to something that is significant. And look at the phrase that follows. Behold, wise men from the east. Now that phrase, from the east, is more than just a description of geography. When you see that phrase in the Bible, it typically denotes a people outside of the covenant of relationship with God. We see this in Genesis chapter 11 with the Tower of Babel. We see it where Lot chose the east and Abraham chose the west. And it continues all throughout the Bible, but here we see what is significant by Matthew is that these wise men are coming from the east outside of the covenant community of God. But look, they are hoping and anticipating something of significance, aren't they? In fact, when we realize that they were journeying a significant distance, in fact, some scholars believe the distance required months, we realize these men were hopeful. It says that they came from the east to Jerusalem. They had been following a star or some sort of device or tool in the skies that God was using to direct their journey. And so they came all of that distance because they had hope. But then we also see hope in verse 4. Herod assembles all the chief priests and scribes of the people. And look at what it says. He inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Now, the word Christ, we think of as just Jesus' maybe middle name. But the word Christ translates a, a Hebrew word that is the word Messiah. Literally, it means the anointed one. And in the Old Testament, prophets and priests and kings would be anointed to show that they were officially put in that position. And so all throughout the Old Testament, you see this expectation growing and growing and growing that one day there would be a Messiah, an anointed one, where all of the other prophets and priests and kings had failed, that one day there would be the perfect who would come. So you can see in the expectation even of Herod, of the Christ coming and the reading of Micah 5.2, as you see here in verse 6, there was within the Jewish com community a, a, a rising of expectation of hope. And what's awesome about this story is that we see hope is fulfilled. Hope is completed in Christ. The second fulfillment is also found in this story, and that is the fulfillment of joy. If you would, look down at verse 10. 
when the wise men saw the star, and we don't know if it is a literal star, we don't know if it was the Shekinah glory of God, but God was using this resource to direct the wise men, and in this case, it stops over the house where Mary, Joseph, and the child were. Now, what's amazing about this is that 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 star had been going before them for weeks, if not months, and now it finally stopped. And in verse 10, it says, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now, I want you to just picture this. These wise men were distinguished men. They were high up in the community of the Medes and the Persians. And so these men arrived in Bethlehem with their robes and with their their entourage, and they acted like children. That's what this phrase describes. You know how children act on Christmas morning? They don't stand as dignified gentlemen and gentle ladies. They go crazy. They are excited. Why? Because of joy. And you see that these wise men express not just joy, but exceedingly great joy. Why? Because they recognize the value of the child. In fact, one of the ways we can evaluate the value we place on someone is the degree to which we're willing to sacrifice And these men placed gold, frankincense, and myrrh at the feet of a child. You see, what's fascinating about this is that the fulfillment of the joy of these men found their completion in Christ. The third fulfillment is also found in this account, and that's the fulfillment of peace. Now, this is where it gets a little interesting. Because we would understand that the expectations for generations looking to a king is that the king would bring peace. In fact, if you want to study this further, you can write down Deuteronomy 17. That's where we see the Lord give Moses and Israel the instruction of what a, what a king should bring. A king should bring the end of conflict Then we see another prophecy in Isaiah 9, 7 that for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? The Prince of Peace. And upon his shoulders the governments of the world will rest. You can write down Daniel 7, 13, and 14. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom. Zechariah 9, 10. His kingdom will go to the ends of the earth. And so you can see that the Jews and those familiar with scriptures were anticipating the king to bring peace, the king to bring the end of conflict. But that's not what we read in the text, is it? Look at verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Wait a minute, the prince of peace has been born, and yet the king is troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And then look at how King Herod responds. Verse 7, he brings the wise men in secretly. He's plotting. Verse 7, he wants to know what time the star had appeared. Verse 8, he presents that he wants to worship, but we see as the story unfolds, that's not what he wanted. Verse 12, the wise men are warned in a dream, and then we read later in chapter 2 that Herod kills the male children to and under in Bethlehem. This child who is prophesied to bring peace brings anything 
but peace if we're defining peace on our own terms. You know what's interesting? I draw your attention to verse 3. It says, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. In the original language, it is the same word that is found in John 14.1. That is the passage where Jesus tells his disciples, do not let your hearts be troubled. You see, the peace that Christ brings is not defined in the way that humans would naturally define it. It does not mean that your life will be free from conflict. What it means is that you will have peace with the God of the universe despite the fact that you and I are sinners. And it reminds us that one day when we are in eternity with him, we will enjoy the peace that passes any definitions or expectations humans can conjure up. You see, in this passage, we see even in the apparent lack of peace that true peace is fulfilled in Christ. But then number four, and this is where it all comes together, this is the fulfillment of love. And to see this fulfillment, we actually have to expand outside of the account of the wise men to evaluate chapters one and two in Matthew. And I want to encourage you to write this phrase down. There's a phrase that Matthew uses four times in Matthew 1 and 2 that says, this was to fulfill. And Matthew chooses to use Old Testament passages or concepts to tie into details of Jesus' childhood. It's the account of the virgin birth in Matthew chapter 1. It's the account of the flight from Egypt in Matthew 2.15. It's the account of the weeping of the mothers in Bethlehem in Matthew 2.18. And then, interestingly enough, no mention of this is given in the Old Testament. No mention of even the city of Nazareth is mentioned in the Old Testament. But we see another quote at the end of verse 23 that this child will be called a Nazarene. Now, why is Matthew using these phrases and these Old Testament passages and concepts to tie into the details of Jesus' life? I think what he's doing is he's signaling the reader that our expectations and definitions need to be aligned with the Creator's. Everything doesn't exactly match how we would expect it to match. And in the middle of this, it's an opportunity to recalibrate our expectations of hope and joy and peace and love with our creators. So let me ask you this. What are your expectations of hope for 2024? Is it a new career? Is it a raise? Is it a relationship? What are your expectations for joy? What what would make you happy in 2024? What would bring you peace? Would it be absence of conflict with in-laws, with coworkers, with neighbors? And it brings us to the question of what would be your definition of true love for 2024? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes because this is where it all comes together. This is not just a religious exercise. 
This is not just something for you to check off for your Christmas traditions. This is an opportunity for you to reflect on what the God of the universe is asking of you this morning. Have you yourself experienced the true love of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Have you come to a place in your life where you acknowledge that the God of the universe is holy and expects moral perfection from you? Have you come to a place where in a moment of honesty, you're willing to admit that you fall short of those expectations and that God is just and right to condemn you and me to hell? Wow, pastor, that doesn't sound like good news on a Christmas Eve. But see, the opportunity for you to see the good news is for you to first understand this bad news. Because the good news is that the child who was born in Bethlehem, whom the wise men worshiped, who grew up and taught and healed and proclaimed the will of his father, died on the cross for the sins of those who would believe rose victoriously from the grave and and made a way for you and I as sinners to actually be saved. But we must respond to the gospel by asking God to forgive our sins, placing our faith in his completed work and surrendering our lives to King Jesus. Have you ever done that? Because if you haven't, this morning, Christmas Eve 2023 is your opportunity to receive that gift. You can do that right now or we'll have members of our prayer team that will be at the ends of the platform. They would love to be able to help answer your questions and steer you toward Christ. And then dear friend, as we focus on the fulfillment of all the planning, all the purchasing, all the wrapping, all the parties, may we recalibrate our definitions and expectations of hope, joy, peace, and love to the creators, which is ultimately fulfilled and the person and work of Christ. Father, I thank you for this Christmas Eve and the opportunity to revisit the story of the wise men. I thank you that we have found in it the the fulfillment of hope, joy, peace, and love in the person and work of Christ. Continue to be glorified as we celebrate this tradition this morning. And may we remember in the symbolism the opportunity to see the gospel of Jesus Christ brilliantly on display so that no one would leave here continuing to have the dark heart of sin in their lives. Would you work through your Holy Spirit, I pray, to the glory of Christ, amen.